Hey there, Recovery Nation. Producer John here. Just popping in to tell you that this episode of Full Potential Now is part two of Ted's interview with Dr. Joseph Bluestein, a board-certified addiction medicine physician practicing in Madison, Wisconsin. If you haven't heard part one yet, check it out on iTunes or visit us at fullpotentialnow.org. Now let's join our interview in progress. So what else do I need to know about addiction treatment? Just get on Suboxone or Vivitrol and never use again? Or never get on medication because like taking more pills, is that really the answer? According to the National Institute of Health, 80% of people who use medication-assisted treatment to address their opiate addiction, which would be through the use of Suboxone and Vivitrol, avoided relapse in the first year. So can you like stack the deck against opiate addiction? What should I do to take the first step? And also like, what does the phrase go low and go slow mean? Uh, I would try the, the, uh, the fellowship programs, you know, so either a 12 step program and and because of the availability, even though if I was just a, uh, an opioid user and not an alcoholic, I would still go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Because there it's like, you know, you want to be uh, just willing to give up alcohol. You know, so if I don't drink at all, it's easier to kind of say, yeah, I'm willing yeah. to give that up at all. But anyway, I mean, I think it's, it, there's more, more of those meetings around. And uh, they're free. They're free. And they're anonymous. And they're anonymous. And I would try those. I would go to open meetings first and kind of see was this something that looks like it's going to help me? So it's maybe a chance. And then if you feel that it is, is then to find a sponsor and work the 12 steps, you know, and and do that. If that doesn't appeal for you, I would try a smart recovery meeting. There are less of those. But there's some of them, if you have a computer, both, they have. Both online. So you can go actually even more online. Anonymous. You don't you're even online. you're more anonymous. You're just you're not even in a room with people. So. Yeah, but it's a good save yeah. maybe first step just yeah. to get your to see is this something that wet a little. You know, bit. some people have a, a problems with it, admitting that there's a higher power. You know, and that and that's sort of, so the twelve step programs might not be the for them. Uh, for them, uh, I I would try that uh, as the as the first step. Um, um, so kind of get your feet get your feet a little bit wet. You don't necessarily have to jump into the deep end right off the bat. You know, and I, I think that um, there are also if you're you know it's it it, it again it's really uh, what how how to connect with community you know and so if you are a churchgoer I would connect with the with the uh, priest or the minister or the rabbi or the uh, and you know to kind of talk to them first about you know uh, and they can direct you you know because sometimes there's actual groups within within the uh, religious organizations that are are working on that. So and, reaching and out to a community, yeah. whether it be church, AA, twelve steps, just try to connect with a community where you might be able to get help. Right. That's a I think, great advice. I want to tell you a story. 
you know, you're going to tell me a story. Or you well, please, I want to tell you a story, story because first, you of how I screwed up I, about how I screwed up as an alcohol and drug counselor. And it's a, it's a short story, but okay. the story goes like this. So I'm doing this podcast, and I'm beginning to wonder more and more about, like, what actually goes on in these meetings. So I went to various, like, open-ended um, AA meetings, like at local clubhouses. Sampled them because I was an addiction counselor for, like, five years. I'm, like, I'm sending people these meetings. I should probably go and see what exactly goes on in these meetings. So I sampled a few. I said, oh, this is pretty good. I I did kind of notice, like, the meetings vary depending on the meeting you went to, the membership. So just because one meeting might not work for somebody, like I didn't really click with those people at the meeting, don't give up, maybe try a different one because the membership was so different in between the meetings. But I decided to go to my first speaker meeting. And all the time I was recommending my clients, you know, I worked at UW Health for like 10 years and, you know, saw zillions of people and recommended AA and NA meetings, smart recovery meetings to zillions of people. I never recommended a speaker meeting. I heard about them. I decided to go to one. Kind of looking for stories of inspiration and change. I was like, you know, where are the success stories? What's really going on here? So I went to my first one two months ago in Madison. And the cool thing about speaker meetings, what I noticed is I walked through the doors. It's a church basement. They had a greeter. Then they had a table set up with a bunch of, you know, different kinds of AA, NA books, stuff you could purchase, meeting lists, all that sort of thing. And then... There was like 200 chairs set up, and there was a lectern up front, and then I just took a seat in the very back row, and I noticed there's other people in the back row, maybe coming to their first speaker meeting, I don't know. Um, And then I listened to two speakers. It was very structured. I didn't have to say one thing. The one thing they did ask the crowd was, who's got like, I think, like 30 days sober, 60 days sober, six months sober, and then you could raise your hand if you wanted to. You didn't have to. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to see if I could actually go to that meeting and not say a word to anybody, and see how anonymous it actually is. So I sat in the back row, and what I discovered is they have this like sort of thing, they talk about 12 steps of AA, they have somebody just kind of talk to the crowd, and then they had two speakers. One that had less than a year of sobriety, and they talked for 15 minutes, and then we took a 10 minute break, and then the second speaker came on, and they had more than like, I think two or five years of sobriety. They talked longer, for 30 minutes. Um, compelling, heart-wrenching stories, but stories of hope and change. Mm -hmm. So there's always the rock-bottom story. Mm -hmm. But um, what I really liked about the speaker meeting, what I thought that I didn't really quite get as a counselor was, wow, you could actually just walk through the doors, sit anonymously, and not really be hassled too much, Mm -hmm. and just listen to some like great stories of hope and change, and maybe gain something from just that osmosis effect. so I was floored, actually. I drove home that night, and I was like, wow, if I had to do it over again, all those people I recommended going to a local AA NA meeting, I would have said, if you're a little nervous about going to a meeting, go to a speaker meeting, because it's, like, so anonymous and so easy to do, and then you can sort of, like, get your feet a little bit wet mm-hmm. and see what you think. So I wanted to share that with you. Yeah, man. no, and then I, what I found out, um, when was it, just like... Uh, Last summer that the AA, you know, that if you want someone to come stay with you, they'll, oh. they'll send someone to stay with you. Okay. A, 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 you know, another, an AA member. Like stay we'll with you or go with you to a meeting? No, stay with you while you're going through withdrawal. Oh, you know, really? With, whether it's alcohol or, or drugs. And awesome. they'll stay with you. And it's, 
you know, it's their volunteers. You know, this is the idea of what what a community is. You know, so it's it's bonding with other people. You know, and that that's important. And I think the idea of the importance of like we we share the same suffering. You know, where you know each of us suffers alone, but there's other people that have this. Some you know, and of course, some people suffer more than other people. You know, and uh, but it's suffering. It's suffering. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's really interesting about this meeting, these, these meetings I've gone to, is what I noticed it's like the meeting after the meeting or before the meeting. So as people, I think, got, probably get more comfortable at these meetings, they develop like little groups, pockets of friends. And and then the next meetings I started talking to people. And what I understood to kind of be true of these conversations is they're not all about recovery. They're about like living yeah. a good life, being connected, obviously staying in tune to your recovery, but there's also life beyond recovery, too. So that was very interesting. Well, let's go. Um, i got a few more questions, Joe. Um, what do you think is the most uh, difficult part of your job? Keep in mind, Joe just saw these questions like once. <laughs> it's probably like... You can uh, elect the best. Yeah, what do you think? Like this, yeah, like you're seeing so many people that are struggling with addiction. You're helping them. You're doing great work. You know, what's the most difficult part? Is it like you know, like seeing the people struggle? Is it you know that they don't engage in treatment? That they if there is a maybe there's no difficult side to it. Just as you want to, you know, from well, you know it's kind of you know it's I don't really. Well, no, I, yeah, I guess that's it. There isn't a difficult part. There isn't a difficult part. You know, it's like, you know, and the like the new patient yesterday said, oh, you probably heard all this before. I said, I've never heard it from you. And it's, you know, everyone, oh, I love that. everyone's story is different. Different, yeah. You know? And um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... Uh, Joe, you are a bright star. I think it's kind of the, the, shining the way, well. <laughs> I was going to talk. Well, yeah. I think we kind of talked about that before. I mean, and, and we all have this kind of like the fleeting reality. Did I tell you that theory? And maybe it's not, a, you know, we'll share that for the, another podcast. Well, if it's short. It, no, I it's mean, not that short. It's, it's not pretty that long. It's, it's not that short. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a couple other compelling questions here, but it's like, um, where do psychiatrists get it wrong? I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah, but I mean a prescribed medication prescriber oh. for, you know, for people struggling with addiction. So where does a medication prescriber, you know, for people struggling with addiction get it right? And where do they maybe get it wrong? Well, I think it, it really, you know, there's, there's this mindset, you know, and that I think that... Uh, from certain prescribers, and I, you know, it's like that. This is this isn't a maintenance medication. You have to get off of this medication. We got to uh, taper you off of that. And and uh, you know, I I, I try to encourage my patients to taper, like to attempt to taper once a year. And I always say, well, you know, this is an attempt. If you need the medication, and sometimes we get to a lower dose. Sometimes we might be, you, don't, you never know, you're a different person now than you were a year ago. Uh, 
And I think, you know, a lot of times, like you were pointing out before, the greatest fear is that, oh, the withdrawal fear, you know, that discomfort. And now I have things to offer. I also do acupuncture in the office. You know, okay. so uh, I offer that as, as you know, as a, as a service. Um, and the IFT, you know, so... But, again, it's kind of needs to be tailored to the individual. Like, several patients engage in, like, a heavy-duty exercise program. And of course, you know, you know that that will release endorphins and other neurotransmitters in your in your brain that kind of will relieve some of those, uh, uh, dis- some of the discomfort with withdrawal. And, you know, and... Uh, and I, I always I, so anyway it's like you're talk, the question was like the frustration with, with uh, other prescribers and I think it's that it, it's true in all medicine it's kind of like this is the recipe this is what we do you know to get you off of the medication we just uh, taper you down this at this rate and, and then cut it off cut it off yeah so, the, so almost like are you saying like the patient really isn't included in the conversation there is no conversation. <laughs> it's like, we're going to start it. This is, you know, like, again, it's like that we're, we're going to start a taper. You know, you've been on for X amount of time, six months or three months, whatever the prescriber has in their mind is this is how I, how, how I do things. And they always do it the same way. Okay. You know, so it's not, eh, you know, there might be a little bit of flexibility there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I really kind of feel that it should be in the hands of the individual. You know that okay. I mean, as long as they're not doing any to, anything that's going to hurt themselves or or illegal, you know that it should be in their hands. So kind of almost like let's talk to this person, let's hear what they've done. Let's before. listen to the person. Listen you know, to the person. Right. Yeah. And not, I, not talk, but yeah, listen. And you know, it's. Uh, it, I always like to have them check in when they're tapering, you know, to kind of find out how they're doing, you know, and to let me know. Because, so, the the idea behind medication-assisted treatment is medication-assisted. So, like, when they're tapering off, there are certain comfort medications that I will prescribe, that I won't prescribe to them long-term. Yeah. So, to get them through that kind of discomfort period if, uh, of the withdrawal and make it easier. And, you know, and if a medic, you know, if there is some medication that will help other than uh, the Suboxone, for several reasons. One is the expense. The other is that if they can get those other medications from their primary care provider. They wouldn't need to come and see addiction specialists to okay. kind of get those. So really kind of almost like lis- really listening to the patient, right. the client who you're, who you're seeing, find out like what they've tried before in the past, what has worked, not worked, then maybe offering them a menu of options in some mm-hmm. sense. Well, we can offer you, I mean, there might be some, there's a Suboxone route, there's a Vivitrol route, there's the IFT, is that correct? Yeah, correct. Um, there's acupuncture, right. um, and there's conventional counseling, and then also like explore like for some people like you said exercise right in a vigorous exercise program which is i think there's a great program out in arizona that had phenomenal success um i just read about it it's a uh they don't do any kind of recovery groups there or any counseling it's just a gym for people in recovery Mm. they find is they're doing pre and post tests with these clients and um People are reporting phenomenal success. And it's not that they're doing counseling around recovery, but they're engaging in just a healthy exercise and I think developing a healthy support system. Sure, sure. And, and there's that mindful mindfulness. We didn't even mention that. You know, mindfulness and yoga. 
Yes. You know, and, and, um, my wife, my, my wife's gonna, she's like, my wife's actually a yoga teacher. She's I, like, Ted, how I could you not mention yoga? <laughs> well, I'll say he mentioned it. <laughs> That's okay, a Jill. What about, so you can explain, what about yoga? <laughs> Go ahead. That's ask. right. Yoga. <laughs> yoga mindfulness. Yeah. So great uh, practices yeah, to engage right, in and try. So, the part about I like this part, this theme also of like getting your feet wet. Why not try some of these things when you're yeah. in recovery? It's not you may not right. like them, but just kind of expose yourself to them and then evaluate. And so I do offer acupuncture. I'm not in the office that much, but I do offer acupuncture when I am in the office. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to put a pitch in there, but for outside people that you know aren't my patients, I charge fifteen dollars. But you have to have the time because you, you, I want you to sit there with the needles and they just go in your ear. It's like. Okay. Five needles in each ear. If you're kind of squeamish, you, I mean, or don't, never had it, and you kind of, you can, you don't have to take, you can take as many needles as you want. But still the same price. So $15, but you got to, you know, come in the office, and it's only when I'm there. So Yeah. So that's a pitch. Yes, it's totally fine, a <laughs> pitch. Because um, the other thing we're going to also try to get is um, if people listening were interested in talking with you or... You know, exploring the possibility of getting some services with you. How would they get in contact with you? So you would um, call and, and express your interest, and then I have an intake coordinator that kind of will uh, find out first. Are you going to pay? 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 <laughs> well, yeah. I don't take insurance, so you know yeah. it's like. And I do have a. It's it's. Um, should I tell how much I charge? Maybe yeah, well, maybe I, mean, that's a I mean, this is kind of like a hidden side of the field yeah. that nobody ever really talks about. So first, right. But why not? Well, this is like... So it's the initial intake and assessment is $500. Yes. And uh, that covers the first one month of, uh, of services. So depending on what you need. I mean, I don't have counseling wrapped up in there. Um, but I do... That, that would cover like a, uh, the acupuncture... Uh, session, you know, if you want, and, and also the uh, interferential. Oh, that would be part of the 500. Yeah, like yeah, you could yeah. have and one you, treatment. Depending or, on, uh, uh, you know, it's like if you wanted more treatments, I think that, yeah, we would do that, you know. Just for you as part of that right, package. part of that package. You know, it's like most people don't really feel they want, at least I haven't got, it's only been in, uh, incorporated into the practice like for like three months now. Okay. So I haven't had anyone that wanted that as the first line, you know, to kind of, I haven't had a whole lot of new patients, you know, my, um, but, um, and uh, so actually they, it, so if that's too much, I mean, you can come in for lesser, like $15 for acupuncture treatment, just, just to kind of see, just see, what see it's like. you know, because that, and I describe that as a way of like have meditating or reflecting inward without having to go through any kind of training. So you just need to sit quiet. You know. So what we'll do as part of this uh, show is post maybe some of those maybe some links on. Um, Actually, do you have is there like a bit, I don't like, have a web page? You have a web page, but like no, I don't. I don't. Okay. So what we'll try to do is just provide some links for people so that if they just want to learn more about it, they sure. could. We'll do our best on that level. Oh, there's links for the acupuncture. So the people could really actually is, see, like, what is it actually right. do, is. So the IFT is something I developed on my own, you know, for, like, the addiction area. So there yeah. really isn't... Uh, uh, some people love it. Some people, you know, don't care for it. But there's no... And no one's, like, said, oh, that hurts. I don't like, you know... 
I don't okay. like it. It's like, oh, Dagmar, why did you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a final question, Joe. Sure. But that is, if you could share, because what, what I'm really beginning to really saturate into my own system and kind of like really listening to people in recovery, and I've worked the treatment of things for so long, is that going to these meetings and just talking more and more with people that are in active recovery, I'm kind of learning like we kind of missed the boat a little bit in treatment. You know, we offer like all the great evidence-based treatments, cognitive behavioral treatment. You know, we're focusing on relapse warning signs, triggers, you know, calling cravings, dealing with your emotions. I mean, it's obviously like great stuff. And then what I was struck with when I went to these meetings is like, there's like a basic thing of like somebody saying like, hey, I just want to get through my first birthday. Hey, I just want to like have somebody that I could hang out with that doesn't party anymore because I'm trying to stay sober. Mm -hmm. Hey, I just want to meet somebody that doesn't use. Um, Or hey, I've locked myself up in my house for a month. I'm sober and my counselors over my treatment center are like, rah, rah, that's great, but I'm actually miserable inside. This is like a completely boring life. I, I, I know I probably should do this, but um, I don't know if I'm going to have much happiness doing this. So I really feel like we kind of like miss those basic things. And so um, maybe it's my rant at the end of the show that I just went on. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts about that, but my final question, of course, was if you want to share maybe a couple success stories for us, maybe a couple patients that you saw where... Well, you know, I, I think I want to share a warning to people, too, is to like that... Um you know, because a lot of people says, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna, or, or they're forced into a situation where they have to do it on their own to either get off of, um, you know, off of, off of the opioids. And, uh, or maybe their wife or their husband's threatening to leave them, but they're kind and of they fail. To do they, they, and they say they, they do that, or they, or they end up going to jail for some reason or yeah. prison. You know, and then they're in there for like a week, and so they're. You know, they went through all the withdrawal, and they're, you know, the, but, and I, and and again, this is going back to like, oh, you know, I always explain to my patients that there's two parts to the addiction. You know, there's one is that physical dependence, and the other is that psychological dependence, that hunger for the, for the, you know, for that particular substance or multiple, whatever it is. Yeah. You know? And what the warning is that, like, yeah, if you're able to kind of get off of it. And you kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, I developed tolerance. Well, you lose tolerance pretty fast. So the danger, and this kind of comes to the uh, opioid overdose deaths. You know, it's the, I don't want people to die. I want people to be safe. So don't think, oh, you know, I used to just snort a quarter of a gram. I, you know, it could injections, swallowing, chewing, whatever route, you lose tolerance. So after three days, if you haven't used anything, just be careful. Don't use as much as, oh, I, 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 you know, I could shoot up or snort a quarter of a gram with no problem. Mm. Because that may be the last time you snort. So I've never actually even heard that ever yeah. mentioned. So, I so think it's that's not that you're advocating message. people go out and relapse and use, but if for some reason you follow that path... Be careful. Be careful. Don't start, starts, you know, go, go low, start slow. You know, so... Uh, but oftentimes it's kind of like, and you know, it's like uh, if we were fasting and we didn't eat for a day, and then it's like, oh, you tend to, oh man, I'm so hungry, I, you know, you'll eat so much. So yeah, so just, uh, but this is, you're not going to die from me. You, 
most likely you're not going to die from eating too much. But no, you get a stomachache. But but in this situation, if you take too much of the of the uh, substance, you will die. Okay. Well, I actually thought of maybe a couple more questions. All right. Do we have time? Sure. It's, it hasn't been a week yet. It hasn't been a week. We've still got uh, 150 hours to go. We're only going to have, in this podcast, we're only going to actually have one episode. It's continuous. <laughs> You're still doing microphones. We'll follow you around. It's like a reality podcast. A reality podcast. I love it. You mean things can get better if I have an addiction? Especially an opiate addiction? You mean I could start a new life? And maybe even a better life without drugs? But what would I have to pay attention to to actually make this happen? Is a general kind of story, a success story that you've encountered? Well, you know, there's been... Yeah, you know, there's been several, you know, multiple successes. Uh, and I don't like, oh... Uh, and, and, and again, it's like, well, how do you define success? You know, it's like... I think the people that usually are successful, they move on. You know, after they've, you know, they've uh, tapered off, they don't come back and see me. They don't come back and, you know, they don't uh, call me and say, oh, I'm doing fine. But... Uh, but they've tapered off and, and yeah, from and where you were leaving them off, right. they were successful in their lives. Yeah, and so I think, you know, it's... Uh, A story, like an individual story. Yeah, individual story, or maybe like a general storyline. <laughs> general storyline that you see with a success case versus maybe contrasting it with a case that doesn't like kind of pan out so well. Because um, like people listening, I think like if I'm in recovery and I'm listening, I'm like I want to know from you, like. What are those variables that lead to those success stories? Because I want to emulate that. If well, I can, or take I mean, parts of that and you apply that to myself. Well, that we were kind of talking about that, I think, throughout the podcast. Is You know, like, what are the... I, and this is not, like, uh, individual. This is from the, you know, the, the data. You know, people that are have a job, you know, there's... And, and so you can look at what are the risk factors for relapse, you know, so that... Um, being unemployed, uh, being disengaged, you know, uh, being a loner, you know, like, like isolated. isolated. So, you know, cool. having having involvement with like uh, whether it's an activity, whether it, or a religious group that those people, you know, going to church, that's yeah. a, a success. You know, like uh, I mean, that to get. And, and it, I think it could be anything, you know, that... Yeah, yeah, that's the case, like everybody's got to go to church. Social thing. But it could be like, so it could be even joining a health club and maybe choosing a group fitness program so you're around other people. And doing yoga. And doing yoga together. Yeah. I, and so having something that kind of fills your life with pleasure, you know, because... And, and that's where that, um, that engagement kind of um, philosophy kind of comes in, too, is that... There was something about using drugs that gave you pleasure, you know, so, because it does feel good. Yes. You know, so, uh, and understanding, you know, is like, well, what else can give me pleasure? And uh, 
How else can I have a really good time? A good life. And, How can know, I laugh more? How can I be around people? How can I really enjoy myself and really get pumped up being around people right. and in my life? And making, I always think like an outcome from a different philosophy, which is more about like probably taking action, that you can think about this stuff all you want in your head for hours on end, but in the end, there always has, if you want a better life, yeah. you have to take some sort of small action to create a new future. Right. And we all know the definition of insanity, continue to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So if you continue to do this, live your life the same exact way, you'll probably get more of the same thing. I thought that was the definition of stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So, um, any, uh, we have our final question. Were you going to say anything else? Oh, yeah, and then so, like, uh, oftentimes when you're going off the medication, you know, that there's, so whether it's, tapering off of the medication or so there's other symptoms that kind of are predictors of relapse you know so not being able to sleep insomnia so i think you know finding if you go into your uh your doctor to kind of just and being open and honest and well you know i don't want to be on medication assisted treatment but i have problems sleeping and to have a medication that's not habit forming not you know like not like ambient but yeah. something like, you know, uh, trazodone or clonidine to kind of help with some of the symptoms that might arise when you're, if you're trying to do it on your own or or not to go on to medication-assisted treatment or to be tapering off. And that's why I keep close cabs when uh, uh, patients are tapering off because I think it's, it's important yeah. to address those kind of things that will, you know, we sometimes call triggers, you know, it's like, oh, I can't sleep at night. I I need to get, you know, go out there and use so that I could just sleep. This is, you know. So these are great. This is often, I haven't heard a lot of this. Like people talk about this, like, hey, I'm tapering off. People are more like, like, I just don't want to have any of the physical symptoms. But I like this idea of mentioning because we all know with all the research how important sleep is, which would be kind of an overlooked thing. Well, it's, it's pretty much out there is like, well, they ask people, you know, why they relapse. You know, the reason I couldn't sleep. Really? So most right. people that's think probably like, the number one. You know, the number one thing is that I couldn't sleep. And I think the majority, a lot of people, if we pulled counsel, I don't know if they would say that. Mm. If you asked me, I would have they said don't know the literature. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is but this is stuff that isn't talked about enough. So I'm glad that you're talking about it. Just the idea that hey, wait a second, I'm tapering. I can do this. But wait a second, maybe even before I got hooked, I had sleep problems. And I'm continuing to have sleep problems that maybe I want to set myself up for, for a successful taper by making sure I address those sleep issues along with the taper process. Yeah, anything else stands out in terms of risk factors that we haven't talked about so people could develop plans around those? Well, you know, I, I think don't get frustrated with the lack of, of treatment options. You know, that the... The um, methadone clinics, and now I could put a plug in for the new methadone clinic that's opening up. There's going to be a new methadone clinic that's, and they'll offer Suboxone and Vivitrol there. You know, okay. so they'll off, offer the uh, the full spectrum. But I heard that the currently there's over 200 uh, a, a waiting list of over 200 for you know the methadone clinic that's right around over here. Okay. And so it may be a, you know a month or so before you can get in. I just had a patient that. 
um, I saw yesterday who not the not the new patient, but you know uh, a regular patient. Said, I, I don't understand what you know that. Why isn't it like and to walk through that door? I mean, you know, like to because that two hundred list. I don't know how many are gonna overdose before they even get you know get into treatment, yeah. and how many are gonna change their mind? You know, it's like, and uh, the patient was kind of saying, "Why can't it? Why can't you just prescribe like one Suboxone film a day so they have to go to the pharmacy every day?" And I'm like, you know, why don't I? I don't have you know. Yeah, I have to find the you know physician assistant or someone to kind of be that busy because, like you said, well my my life can't surround that. But I think that's really a good idea is to, and maybe we can talk about a little bit more about doing that over here. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So that they can get a prescription, you know, that they can get a prescription for, you know, a week at a time, but only one one day at a time. You know, because that's one of the things you'll hear if you go to one of the, step programs. It's one day at a time. Yes. And really, it is one day at a time. Even if you're and not in recovery, it's really one right, day at a time. Right. There's benefit to thinking about life that way. <laughs> and so, could I share one last thing that my grandma, this is like my grandmother always would say that, because uh, when I was visiting my sister down in the nursing home, you know, she was like making all these plans about wanting to go back to her apartment. And I don't know if she's going to really be able to do that, you know, live independently. But I said, remember what Grandma used to always say? She said, you know, God, uh, man plans, but God laughs. So, you know, you can plan everything out, but God's up there going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> 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 and my sister laughed, and she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, one, actually, now I have, of course, one final question. <laughs> If Wait, you, you said that five questions. I know, that's, that's how I bait the guests into staying long until staying for like a week. It'll just be an endless, be a bag Twilight Zone episode. Um, if you could have a magic wand and change one thing in the field of addiction, one simple thing, what would you choose to change? I mean, you just mentioned it. I, I thought about the answer to that question was like, Oh, maybe prescribing, making treatment more readily available to people rather than having to be on wait lists. Right. Where we could lose some of them. Right. Or they could, like, kind of talk themselves out of wanting to go. Is that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... Well, you know, when the waiting list... The, I, uh, one thing I could change. One thing... Yeah, magic wine, you could change one thing in the addiction field and treatment and make it happen... I mean, obviously, we could say, like, addiction never exists. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Addiction never exists. <laughs> but something, like, maybe even smaller that, that maybe some people in the future hearing this might say, hey, I want to work on that. Maybe we could make that happen. You mean in the treatment field? Yeah. And it, but, Well, when I think of magic, I mean, I think of, like, you know, all sorts of things. You know, but... <laughs> I mean, a, a realistic thing I think is 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 having uh, the whole field uh, uh, really engage with the individual, rather, and and so it's a it's a dialogue rather than the monologue. Oh, that is so profound. 
That is that is so <laughs> profound. Because I, I have that same perspective. Uh-huh. It's like whatever happened to the conversation? What if we were to link the two communities together, the community of addiction professionals with actually the community of people in recovery mm-hmm. and develop even better like programs and treatment ways to go. Well, I uh, want to thank you for coming in today and being part of the first podcast. We might divvy this into two podcasts, <laughs> well, part one and part two. Um, but I think that the stuff you said is, I know a lot of people out there, it's going to mean a lot to them. And for that, I thank you, Joe. Dr. Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Hey there, Recovery Nation. Producer John here again. That was part two of our interview with Dr. Joe Bluestein. We learned a lot, but we're not quite done with Dr. Bluestein just yet. Join us next week for a bonus episode when Ted gets down to business and asks, What the hell are these medications, and what do I need to know about them? Today's episode featured music by Patrick Reinholtz and me, John Procruzzi, courtesy Other Obscure Records. If you like what you heard, consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And visit fullpotentialnow.org for your free TED tools, including where to find a rehab center near you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.